in Joshua chapter 2. Pastor Rich filled in for me last Wednesday. Um, I was over in Montpelier doing a funeral. So he did uh, the verses on Moses. So we left off last week in verse 29. And so we're getting through Hebrews 11 here. We're taking our time through this because there's so much great information. There's so much great information. And, you know, if you haven't been with us through our study in Hebrews, here's our key points that we keep talking about. Faith. Faith should show us everything. It's our way of life. That's the whole point of Hebrews chapter 11, this idea of walking in faith. And so these are the verses we've really been focusing on. But we need to live by faith, Habakkuk 2.4. And this verse is repeated again and again, three different times in the New Testament. We don't want to just talk it. We don't want to read about it. We don't want to take notes on it. You know, you can mark your Bibles. You can underline it. You can put the verses up in your house. That's great. You want to live it. And how do you live it? I mean, how do you really live a life that is lived by faith and that's really on fire for Christ? Because what we're so used to, and when it comes to Christianity, is we're so used to this this middle of the road. We kind of show up. We don't do anything morally stupid. And we kind of represent the Lord. No, in Hebrews 11, these people, their life, their life lived in faith for the Lord. And what does that look like for us? How can we do that? Because everything we do, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith, not by sight. If you can see it, it's not faith. And there's a lot of things right now that you came out here tonight and you can't see. You can't see the end of this trial at work. You can't see the end of this trial with your health. You can't see this relationship being restored. You can't see yourself finally getting over that sin that has so easily ensnared you. In faith, we can believe that the Lord is moving and working even when we don't see it. And all these different people that we've studied so far, starting all the way back with Abel, worked all the way through Moses, all walked in faith, and we can live and learn from them. Now, we're going to do verses 30 and 31 here tonight, and we're going to talk about Jericho and Rahab. And then next week, we're going to pick it up in verse 32, and we're really going to pick up the pace. Because you can see even the writer of Hebrews is telling us the verse 32, And what more shall I say, for the time would fail me, to tell of Gideon and Brock and Samson and Jephthah and David, etc. Even the writer of Hebrews through the Holy Spirit is saying, yeah, i got to pick up the pace here a little bit, guys. We don't have enough time to get through every single person. But Rahab and Jericho are really the last ones that really stop and say, we want you to focus on Rahab and Jericho. Now, Jericho is what I call one of those Sunday school stories. You guys probably remember that growing up as a kid. They walked around Jericho. They marched around for seven days. They blew the trumpets. They cheered, and the walls came tumbling down. Rahab is quite the gal as well, too. So what we want to do here is let's read this. Verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. Faith. And these are the two individuals that we want to talk about here. Rahab and Jericho and how their lives are a picture of faith and what that means and represents for us here today. So with that being said, can you go with me? To Joshua chapter 2. Now, we have a lot of little points that we're going to try to talk about, but there's really two main points that I want to share here at the beginning to kind of set the tone of what we're doing through. We're going to talk about Rahab first. So here's our first point for the night God chooses to use people that don't make sense. God chooses to use people that don't make sense. Rahab is one of those people. Take a look at the people the Lord used in the New Testament. His apostles, tax collectors, fishermen, zealots, etc. These are not the people you would think that you would want to start changing the world with. We can even go through the Old Testament, some of these people that we're going to talk about. 
Moses was a murderer. Abraham was a liar. Jacob was a deceiver. Gideon was a scared cat. We're going to talk about him next week. These are not the people you think the Lord would want to use. And so the one we're talking about tonight, Rahab, a harlot. A harlot. So imagine that. You're doing devotions with your kids, and your son raises a hand. Dad, what's a harlot? Well, that's the definition. I'm not going to tell you what I said, but what's a harlot is what he said. So you have to give that quick definition right there. Rahab. Rahab is mentioned, though, three times in the New Testament, and it's all complementary. Her faith is is patted on the back twice in the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 11, obviously faith. James chapter 2 about her faith and works. And in Matthew chapter 1, she's of the lineage of Jesus. Now, I'm a student of history. I love history. And when you study out history, you start realizing how this all comes together. For some of you, follow along. Some of you, you don't really care. Rahab is Boaz's mom. Now, you remember Boaz. Boaz married Ruth. Okay, so now think about that. Ruth, the very famous Ruth, the Ruth that we're going to be doing a Bible study on starting next week. Her mother-in-law was the harlot, Rahab. Well, it gets even better than that, because you remember who Ruth's grandson is? David. So King David, great King David, his great-grandmother was Rahab, the harlot. These are the people that the Lord chooses to use. So when you go to Matthew chapter 1 and it gives you the lineage of Jesus, very few women are mentioned in that lineage, but one of them is Rahab. God wants you to know as you go through the lineage of Jesus that Rahab is in the lineage of your Messiah, the harlot. Because why? God can use anybody. God can use anybody. So if you are here tonight and you've convinced yourself that you are unusable by the Lord, by whatever past choices, mistakes, decisions you have made, then you're completely missing the first point of tonight. God wants to use liars, thieves, murderers, harlots. That's grace. And what a beautiful picture that is. So as we study Rahab, please remember, please remember Boaz's mom, Ruth's mother-in-law, David's great-grandma, Quite the stories there at the wall of Jericho when they fell down. Mentioned three times in the New Testament. That's pretty good. So let's talk about her. So God wants to use people that don't make sense. Well, what's going on here in Joshua chapter 2? What's happened here at the end of Deuteronomy, Moses has died. So now Joshua has taken over and he's now the leader of Israel. And so God says, now it's time to go take the promised land. It's time to go in there and to militarily take this. And the first thing I want you to do in Joshua chapter 1 is I want you to cross the Jordan River, which is pretty impressive because they're crossing it at floodplain time. So they get ready to cross the Jordan. But there's this city of Jericho that's going to be an issue. Jericho was not a huge city, but it was a fortified city. Can you go to the next slide here real quick, Dustin? just kind of want to show you this. They have actually through archaeology, have found the walls of Jericho, some of the remains. So we know what it kind of looked like. We kind of know a little bit about it. This is what we were dealing with. Look at the dimensions here. They had walls. That's why it's the walls of Jericho that fell. Checked out that first wall, about 23 feet high. It's a pretty big wall. Dealing with the base, that's 6 feet. Then you have another embankment. Then you got another wall that you're pushing out 30 feet Pretty 12 foot. These are solid walls. It wasn't that Jericho was such a huge metropolis. 
Jericho was fortified. It was strong. It was powerful. And what happened here is Rahab lived on the walls of Jericho. What we have found out in certain places, these walls may have been a little closer together. Some archaeology has showed us maybe as close as 15 feet together that they actually built houses in between the walls, kind of connecting them a little bit. And Rahab had a house on and between these walls. So we'll leave this up here just to kind of have you remember that a little bit. So what happens is this. The spies go, and where do they stay? Verse 1, they came to the house of a harlot named Rahab, and they lodged there. Now, I'm just going to be straightforward with you. There's two ways to take verse 1. One way to take verse 1 is exactly what it said. They went to the harlot's house. The other way to take verse 1, I've heard teaching on this, that said that it was also the harlot's house, so that sometimes would be used as a a little hotel, if you would. It doesn't mean anything inappropriate necessarily happened. We don't know. Details don't matter when it comes to that. But they stay at Rahab's house. And so the king of Jericho says that I know there are spies. Send them out. They go to Rahab's house. Hey, I know the guys have been here. Send them out to me. Verse 4. Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were. And it happened as the gate was being shut when it was dark. The men went out. Where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them with the stalks of flax, where she had laid in order on the roof. So Rahab now is a lying harlot. Just like Moses lied about killing a man. Just like Abraham lied about his wife. Just like David lied about things. So here's this woman that does not have a very good past. Why is she doing this? Why? First point was, God can use people that don't make sense. Rahab shows that. To be perfectly blunt, some of us here tonight show that. What else can we learn from this? Everybody gets an opportunity to hear the truth. Who's going to respond? Listen to Rahab's response here. Verse 9. I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites, who are on the other side of the Jordan, Sahan and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you, for the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on the earth. Now therefore I beg you, Swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you also have shown kindness to my father's house, and give me a true token, and spare my father, my mother, and my brothers, my sisters, and all that have, and deliver our lives from death. She heard. She responded. Please remember that. She heard, and she responded. For, for the first few years of my walk with Christ, I used to make it my personal responsibility that if I presented the gospel to somebody, it was my failure. If they chose to reject. Now think of the flip side. Then I thought it was my success. If they chose to accept. Now walking with the Lord for a couple of decades. I start realizing. No. You just present the truth. That's all you do. The people of Jericho. Everybody in Jericho. Heard these amazing miracles. Look back to verse 9. They're scared of God. Because they see his power. Faint hearted. We heard that you dried up the Red Sea. We heard how you defeated the other kings. Verse 11, our hearts are melting. There's no more courage. Because why? For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above on earth beneath. Rahab was the one person that said, I'm going to take these facts, apply them to my life, and say, I'm going to be different from this point forward. What is the difference between you and anybody else? 
The difference is when the gospel was presented to you and the Lord opened your heart and he chose you, you said, yeah, I want this. Rahab heard it and she said, yeah, I want this. And how do we know she was a different person? According to the book of James, we know she was a different person because her works revealed her faith. She was willing to put her life on the line. She was willing to go get her family and gather them all together. Because look what happens. Basically, they say this. Verse 14. The men answered her, Our lives for yours. If none of you tell this business of ours, it shall be that when the Lord has given us the land, that we will deal kindly and truly with you. So she tells them in verse 16, Go to the mountains. Now, verse 18. Unless when we come into the land, you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down, and unless you bring your father, your mother, your brother, and all your father's household to your own home, so it shall be that whoever goes outside the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we will be guiltless. Whoever is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head, and if a hand is laid on him. Basically, the soldiers are saying this. Listen, you tie the scarlet uh, rope right here, so when we see it, we know not to do anything to your house, not to do anything to the people in your house. You will be safe if you are there. And she said that she would do this. Verse 21, then she said, according to your words, so be it. She believed it, then she proved it on how she lived and how she acted. And here we are now, thousands of years later, talking about the great-grandmother to King David, the lying harlot whose faith revealed her heart that she wanted to serve the true God, Jehovah, and she wanted things to be different. The first two points, God can use people that don't make sense, and many, many people hear, but are they going to respond? Rahab heard, she responded. And that's why we're talking about her amazing faith right here. Now, before we move on, anybody got any quick questions, comments here about Jericho, about Rahab, about any of this before we kind of build on this? Yeah, Ryan. That's all he's got to work with. Amen to that. And you've heard me say many times before, God can use anybody. He can't work with pride. That's the one thing he chooses not to work with. And so when you look at these people that the Lord chooses, we are all a messed up group of people. I think back to what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, look at who's called. Not many noble, not many wise, not many bright, not many strong. They're not called. God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. And here is Rahab, who did not have a great start in life, but she's in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11. She's going to be up there in heaven that we get a chance to meet. And it's a great example of, I don't know what your past was like. I don't know how much baggage you've brought in tonight, but you can be a new creation in Christ Jesus. And that's really what it comes down to. And to be quite honest, I've been coming out to this church now for almost 24 years. I've known a lot of you, some of you for decades, and you've opened up and shared your testimonies with me. You shared what it was like, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. And it's like, gosh, other people don't know that. Because they look at you, oh, you got it all together. Oh, man, we're all a big mess. Only by the grace of God are we here tonight. Only by the grace of God do we get a chance to move forward. We have made some awful Awful decisions in life, just like Rahab. And God says, I can still use you. I still want to use you. And what a beautiful picture of grace and mercy that is. Beautiful picture. Anybody else have anything about Rahab or Jericho here before we kind of move on? Okay, so the faith of Rahab. Now, let's talk about the walls of Jericho. Jump ahead to chapter 6, please. Same book, Joshua. 
First two points. God uses people that don't make sense. I should have mentioned this earlier. Since you know that, and you see that with Rahab, and you realize that God uses you, please have patience with the rest of the body of Christ. When you see other Christians that are a work in progress, and they claim to know Christ, but they're not really acting the way or doing the things that you think a true Christian should be doing, Please note that we're all works in progress. Have a little bit of patience with them because God uses people that don't make sense. And remember, many people here, not everybody responds. Rahab heard. Rahab responded. Now, what can we learn about Jericho itself? Joshua chapter 6. Got a few things here about Jericho. The first one, sometimes walking in faith doesn't make sense. Has the Lord ever asked you to do something that just does not make sense? And as you're trying to explain it to your brothers and sisters in the Lord, why you're possibly changing that job, why you're trying to do that ministry, why you're witnessing to that person, or why you feel led to do this, take a stand, they don't get it. Well, look at how the Lord decided to take down Jericho. Chapter 6, verse 1. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went in, none came out. And see that. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. Here's your battle plan, guys. Verse 3. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go around the city once. This you shall do six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And it come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horns, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, then the wall of the city will fall down flat. And the people shall go up every man straight before him. Faith doesn't make sense. Please try to explain that to these men of war. They're getting ready to start taking the promised land. They've crossed the Jordan miraculously. They're ready for the battle. And here Joshua has to come to them and say to them, Guys, here's the battle plan. We're going to all line up. Everybody ready? Okay, I'm going to put the armed men up front, and then we're going to have the Ark of the Covenant. And, and this is what we're going to do. We're going to march up to that wall, and we're going to walk around that wall. And we're going to walk around that wall how... Well, I forgot to mention this, guys. We're walking around the wall in complete silence as well. You're going to do this for six days in a row. That's your great battle plan. For six days in a row, you're going to wake up every morning, and you're going to walk around the wall, and you're going to walk around the wall in complete silence. Look at verse 10. Joshua commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, Shout, and you shall shout. I'm telling you right now, i got five boys. I don't think I can make them walk around this church once without talking to each other. And they're going to do this now in faith. What do you think is going to, what's going through their mind? I mean, seriously. God sometimes asks you to do things in faith that does not make sense. You, you can think of ultimate stories through this Bible as much as I can, where the Lord has led men and women to do things that did not make sense. And you know what? Nothing has changed now 2,000 years later. Sometimes the Lord's going to lead you to do something that does not make sense. As long as it lines up with the Scriptures, as long as it's led by the Spirit, as long as it lines up with the nature of Jesus, that's what matters. He's not going to contradict His Word. But this just doesn't make sense. So please remember that point this week. When the Lord lays something on your heart and you try to make something like, well, that doesn't make sense, please remember these words. Neither did walking around Jericho for six days in utter silence. Think about this. And I I don't know what happened. I don't want to speculate too much. They kind of make themselves open to the enemy. I mean, look at these walls. You're 20-some foot up in the air. 
I don't know how close they walked to the wall. If I was in Jericho and I saw an army coming up, and I saw them start walking around my town or my, my walls, let's start shooting at them or something. But in silence, they did this. Now, think about it from Jericho's perspective. That'd be a little creepy, wouldn't it? Six days in a row, these people come and just walk around your wall quietly, not saying a word. Faith sometimes doesn't make sense. What's our next point? Day one probably was not too much grumbling. Day two, maybe a little bit more. Day three, day four, day five. What do you think these guys are thinking by day five and day six? What else does faith do? Faith also has to be patient enough to allow God to work. I see this a lot in counseling. Somebody comes in and they say this, it's taking too long. What's taking too long? It's taking too long for God to change my husband. It's taking too long for God to change my wife. It's taking too long for the Lord to move in my kid's life. It's taking too long for the Lord to provide me a spouse. It's taking too long for the Lord to provide me a job. It's taking too long. Well, what time frame did you have? So often we pray and we want that McDonald's fast food answered prayer that he's going to answer just like that. I mean, come on. He worked in Moses' life for 40 years, the Bible said. That's too long. Well, he worked in Jesus' life for 40 days in the wilderness. Here, seven days. I just want to encourage you. If you're here tonight and God is not moving quick enough and you're ready for the walls to come tumbling down, faith is patient to allow God to work. Please remember that. So when you start saying things like, this doesn't make sense, this is taking too long. No. Faith doesn't make sense. Faith is patient enough to allow God to work. What else do we see right here? Faith does stuff when you can't. Note what God says back in verse 2. See, I have given Jericho into your hand. See, from God's perspective, it was already done deal. I've given it to you. You just don't realize it yet. How often do we say, I can't? I can't do this anymore. I can't. I can't do what odds asking me to do. I can't stay faithful. I can't do this. Yes, you can. Because faith can make you do things that you don't think that you can. And this is what we see here in Jericho. I think it's very important that the first military victory that the nation of Israel has is a military victory that they absolutely had nothing to do with in any way whatsoever. Nothing. Because if they would have stormed these walls and went up over that 23rd foot wall to the next one, and they would have had this amazing victory, oh yeah, God bless us, amen, there would be a little bit of talk, though. Yeah, but did you see me? See how I scaled that wall? Man, I just jumped right over that thing. These guys, for seven days, do absolutely nothing. Nothing. Verse 15, came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early, about the dawning of the day, marched around the city. Now they march around how many times? Seven times. Seven times. On that day only they marched around the city seven times, and the seventh time it happened when the priest blew the trumpets that Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And what happens when they shout? Verse 20, the people shouted when the priest blew the trumpet. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet. And the people shouted with great shout that the wall fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before them, and they took the city. It was all the Lord. 
Set the tone for the rest of these military victories. It has to be God. Set the tone that it's going to be the Lord. He's going to get the glory. Set the tone of walking in obedience, walking in faith. This is so important for them to do, to realize here at the beginning, this has nothing to do to them with them. So faith sometimes doesn't make sense. Walking around a town seven days in a row in the last day seven times. Faith is also patient to allow God to work. Patient. Faith also does things when you can't. Please remember that. But let's not forget verse 22. Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the country, Go into the harlot's house, and from there bring out the woman and all that she has, as you swore to her. And the young men who had been spies went in, brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers, and all that she had. So they brought out all her relatives and left them outside the camp of Israel. Rahab is saved. Her family is saved. And then she becomes great-grandma to King David and is in the lineage of Jesus. Real quick, I just want to say something I've seen over the years out here at church that I think is really neat. Is you see Rahab having faith. And next thing you know, you see that faith filtering down to what? Dad, mom, brothers, family, etc. I have seen this happen over the years, and it's something Rich and I talk a lot about. It's pretty cool. You start seeing one person come. Then you know what? That one person invites one family member. And then they invite a couple more. And next thing you know, a couple years later, the family takes up a whole row. And you just see, wow, that one person was faithful to just be a light and a witness for the Lord. That one person was faithful to just let their light shine. And then years later, you start seeing a row of them. It's pretty neat to see what God does. So maybe right now, you're the only one. (laughs) You're looking to your left and your right. And you're saying, I don't got a row of them. Okay, well, be like the lying harlot, okay? Have faith that the Lord is moving and working. Be a light and a witness to your family. And just as you see the Lord moving and working in her life, next thing you know, all of her relatives. And what a beautiful picture that is. So let's just remind ourselves of this faith. God uses people that don't make sense. Some of that is you. Some of that are people right here, right now in this building. Have patience with them as the Lord is moving and working. Have patience with yourself as well, too, as the Lord is molding you. You may have determined that you are beyond being used by the Lord. Oh, no, you're not. God's grace and mercy. Remember, many people here, not everybody responds. Rahab said the whole town knows about what you're doing. But only Rahab responded. What else do we learn? Faith sometimes doesn't make sense. Remember that in your walk with the Lord. But trust him. Faith is patient to allow God to work. Walking around the town seven days. Patience. Patience. And faith can when you can't. They couldn't have taken this town. They couldn't have taken Jericho. But God did. And he made the walls fall down flat. I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what Jericho is right in front of you. And those walls are so big and strong. God can make them come down in faith. Just trust that the Lord is moving and working even when you don't see it. Hey, do we have any final questions, comments here about Rahab or Jericho or anything from Joshua 2 and Joshua 6? Ryan. Uh, the Jericho, that was God's uh, plan. The victory was God. Mm-hmm. Kind of took the spoils. But then in the next chapter, uh, the thing with Ahab, Ahab, and then getting their tail kicked from the battle that was supposed to be eaten. Mm-hmm. It is, and that's something, if you've got some time, I really encourage you. Keep reading there in Joshua, because in Joshua chapter 7, what Ryan's talking about there is when they try to go take out Ai, Ai should have been an easy victory. Easy. And the problem was now Israel had a little bit of confidence. Israel had now a little bit of pride. 
And they basically came to Ai and said, oh, man, if we can take Jericho, Ai will be nothing. They go into Ai and they got whooped. Why? Because they no longer were walking in faith and trusting the Lord. They started thinking that they can do it. And that's a great teaching point for us. How often when we first start out in the Lord or when we face something really big, we walk completely in faith. Lord, I can't do this. We're praying over it. We're fasting over it, asking people for prayer. And then we become confident. Oh, Lord, I can do this. I got this. And then we run into an AI and we get whooped. We always got to walk in faith. Always got to walk in faith. Anybody else have anything about Rahab or Jericho here before we close up? All righty. Oh, sorry. So, so, surely. Yep. Uh, excellent point. God is a God of love. Because I, I cannot stress to you enough, her family was saved. You know, the rest of the town was destroyed, but anybody could have been saved. They all knew about the truth of this. They just chose not to respond. It reminds me of uh, later on when King Saul goes before the town and he says, basically, I'm going to go kill every man, woman, and child in this town. But what people tend to forget is that he went and gave them a warning before he did it. And the Bible says that some of the people left. They were warned. You know, if you read in the book of Exodus, some of the Egyptians left with the Jews. God gives an opportunity. People just don't want to respond. And we live in a world today where we're proclaiming the gospel. Not everybody wants to respond. But listen, how did God choose to describe himself? God is love. That's how he chose to describe himself. And his love for Rahab. Oh, man. Right there it is. Anybody else got anything here before we close up? All righty. Hey, let's let you go with the word of prayer. Let you out here a little early. Safety as you travel home. Hey, why don't you stand with me as we pray, please. Lord, help us to walk in faith. Lord, help us to trust that you're moving and working even when we don't see it, that you can make these walls come tumbling down. Lord, help us just to trust and to be patient. Patient as you're moving and working. Thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy. We pray for safety as everybody travels home. And Lord, right here, right now, we just give you everything. And we lift this up in your name. Amen. Hey, if you've got anything you can pray about, come on up here and we can pray. You guys have a good week and God bless. Oh, before I forget, I want to mention to everybody, I forgot. I, uh, Cindy Nepley, who comes out and worships with us on Wednesday, sits over here to my left. If you remember correctly, she had open heart surgery last uh, year. She's over at Cleveland Clinic, and she is on the heart transplant list. And she's going to have a heart pump put in Monday if she does not get a new heart. And she asked for prayer for that. That's obviously a very big procedure. Her name is Cindy. Continue to keep her in prayer this week. All right, thanks, guys.